The Leslie Marshall Show, a true democracy in talk radio. Of, for, and by you, the people. From our nation's capital, it's Deadline DC with Brad Bannon. Welcome to Deadline DC. I'm Brad Bannon. I'm a national democratic strategist and a columnist for The Hill in Washington, DC. My company, Bannon Communications Research, polls for progressive issue groups, labor unions, and Democrats. Mondays on Deadline DC, I talk to the people and players behind the politics and policies that drive our great nation forward. Uh, We've got a great show for you today. Uh, We are going to uh, talk about uh, the battle, uh, last week's uh, battle in the House of Representatives, the battle for the Speaker's gavel. Uh, We're going to talk about uh, the uh, anniversary, the second anniversary of the abortive capital coup in the Capitol building. Uh, Our guest in the hour will be our first guest will be Mika Solnar, who is a uh, congressional reporter for The Washington Times. Then in the second half hour, our guest will be Sarah Jones, uh, the editor in chief of Politicus USA. And as usual, behind the helm is my good friend, uh, Mark Grimaldi, who makes sure the trains run on time and the show stays online. Before we get to Mika, we're going to uh, play this uh, clip uh, from last week's festivities, if you can call them such, on uh, Capitol Hill. It is uh, Republican Congressman Jim Jordan, who is going to be the new chair of the House Judiciary Committee, talking to Shannon Bream on Fox News and Chairman uh, Jordan saying last week's battles on the House were exactly what our founding fathers intended. No secret that things got really ugly this week, and your critics say it is proof that Republicans are not about the norms, about the law and order. Uh, Opinion piece over in the Washington Post Saturday said this, this is what happens when a political party year after year, systematically destroys the norms and institutions of democracy. Two years to the day since January 6th invasion of the Capitol, Republicans are still attacking the functioning of government. All right, we've seen the video. I want to play a little bit more of this. This is what was happening on Friday night. How do you convince Americans who watch this play out, including this moment, it looked like it could turn into a physical altercation, that Republicans, your party, can now well, govern. Well, I mean, Shannon, you just you just heard from the, uh, the report that Kevin McCarthy got the same number of votes Speaker Pelosi got last time. She had the same majority number, 222, that we have this time. So sometimes democracy is messy, but I would argue that's exactly how the founders intended it. They wanted real debate, real, real input from all people, and then you get a decision, whether it's one vote or 15 votes. Kevin McCarthy is still Speaker of the House. I've seen all kinds of Games go into extra innings and overtime. That's just how it works. What I do know is this. We will come together to deal with how radical the left now has made the Democrat Party. That was Congressman Jim Jordan on uh, Fox News. Uh, I think uh, I hate to disagree with uh, Representative Jordan, uh, but if the founders had been able to watch the uh, 
fracas, uh, the chaos on the House floor on Friday, I think they would have been horrified. Uh, what it reminded me of is not what the founding fathers did during the uh, debate uh, to create our new nation or the Constitutional Convention, but it reminds me of Congress just before the Civil War when uh, rancor and rancidity were at their high watermark. Anyway, our guest in this half hour is Mika Solnar, who is the congressional reporter for The Washington Times. Uh, she was uh, observing the action in the House very closely last week as part of her job, and uh, Mika's here to talk to us today about uh, what she uh, saw and heard. Mika, welcome back to Deadline DC. Thanks for having me on, Brad. Now that the House of Representatives is officially in uh, session and has a leadership team, it has big business uh, before it coming right away. Uh, tonight, the House is going to vote on a rules package. Uh, could you tell our uh, viewers and listeners uh, what a rules package is and what's in it? Sure. So it's just set to establish, you know, what exactly, um, you know, happened in this Congress and and some of the some of the changes that are being proposed are obviously by the faction that was holding out for Kevin McCarthy to become Speaker. Um, some of it's going to include, you know, cuts to major, um, you know, you know, some programs. Um, so, you know, a big part of their opposition was reducing the national debt and being more fiscal, fiscally responsible. Um, they're also looking to create um, an oversight subcommittee to investigate um, COVID and the pandemic and its impact. So these are some of the things that we might be seeing tonight. And um, we've had one Republican so far, Tony Gonzalez of Texas, come out and say he was not for it. Um, he was not one of McCarthy's holdouts, and he is also not a member of the Freedom Caucus. So. Um, he is kind of not on that right wing faction of the party. So um, we'll have to see if there's any other people that are against it when they vote. What is uh, the purpose of the COVID ex uh, exploration? Aren't they uh, Republicans in Congress afraid uh, by investigating COVID? They might be exposing uh, President Trump's uh, inattention to the problem that killed thousands of Americans. So I think we've seen Republicans' message in the two years that they're in the minority, which is kind of the aftermath of the COVID pandemic. You know, they're really focused on kind of the roots of the virus itself, which they, of course, um, have blamed. Well, I think Republicans, Democrats alike are, do want to hold China accountable. Um, you know, for maybe some of the messaging and, uh, you know, misinformation um, and some of the things that they was not put out by Be Beijing and the Chinese government. Um, on top of that, Republicans have also been very vocal about the impact that COVID has had on lockdowns. Um, they blame Democrats for uh, academic, um, you know, slowdowns and, and failures that we, we've been kind of seeing um, and the impact it has on students and mental health and things like that. So we're definitely going to be seeing a lot of fiery debates on that, a lot of finger pointing at Democrats and Democrats now in the minority um, are likely probably to point to maybe uh, Trump's response and, and how he handled it under his presidency as well. So there's a lot of room for debate there. Okay. Uh, there also, uh, there was talk, and I don't know if it's anything uh, more than talk, but uh, President Biden uh, went to the uh, Mexican-American border on Sunday. Uh, he talked about the problem. 
Republicans have talked about uh, impeaching the president or impeaching the Secretary of Homeland Security, uh, Albert Mayorkas. Uh, are those in the works? We're going to have to wait and see. Um, impeachment was one of the big things that um, some of McCarthy's, um, you know, foes or holdouts were um, really concerned about. I know Andy Biggs in particular really wanted to move forward quickly in pursuing impeachment against Secretary Mayorkas. I think he was the first one to um, pursue articles of impeachment while in the minority, and he wanted to see that he wants to see that come to fruition in the majority. Um, so we're gonna we're gonna see what McCarthy does. Um, he's obviously going to be governing, you know, with. Um, you know, it's going to it's going to complicate things for him to have, uh, I guess, this pressure on him. So uh, we'll wait to see if he moves um, a little bit. He hasn't been you know, all out aggressive on that, but it seems like he's been a little bit more open to it once that pressure was he was feeling that pressure from the people that really want to push that. Uh, we've got about a minute and a half before we go to our first break. Could you tell us a little bit what it was like being on the floor last week, uh, covering the proceedings, especially Friday night, which was uh, a real zoo? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, Friday, you know, um, they started in the day. I think we had the typical. We had two votes, and then they, they came back at ten. I think I got home at three. Um, um, but uh, you know, being on the floor was was great because you you can see from a kind of this unique bird's eye view about uh, members on the floor, how they're interacting, who's talking to who, what kind of huddles, and you can see these negotiations happening sometimes on the floor too, with uh, you know members really you know zeroing in and talking to uh, some of McCarthy's holdouts, some of his allies coming. So um, I think that's the great thing is you get to see these dynamics happening um, that the rest of the country might not have that access to. Uh, yeah, it seemed like a fun. Let me ask you one quick question before we go to break, and I need a quick answer, unfortunately. Uh, there were, one of the things we saw on Friday night was a brief discussion uh, at the very end before the uh, last ballot uh, between uh, Speaker McCarthy and Florida Representative Matt Getz. What was that all about? Do we know? Um, I'm not sure exactly what the details of they were discussing, but clearly it was enough to, I guess, uh, uh, you know, win over Congressman Gates to at least, you know, vote present, um, you know, instead of some of the, you know, quote unquote obstructionist, uh, uh, style that he's been doing throughout the week. So um, I know that was very heated because it got very heated with the the uh, conversation okay. with my friend. I knew I was going to have to cut you off yeah. on this one. I shouldn't have asked you the question, but we're going to a break to let out our radio listeners, but we'll be staying on the air for our viewers. Uh, we'll be right back with our radio listeners in a couple of uh, minutes, but we'll be sticking with the uh, folks who are watching on Facebook and Twitter with our guest, Mika Solnoff from the Washington Times. Welcome back Deadline DC with Brad Bannon. I'm Brad Bannon, and my guest in this segment is Mika Solna, who is a congressional uh, reporter for The Washington Times. Uh, by the way, uh, we're welcoming back our radio listeners. Uh, and if you are listening to us on the radio and you would like to watch us as well as listen to us, there are a couple of ways you can do that. Uh, you can watch us on tw at twitter.com front slash Brad Bannon. 
Uh, or you could watch us on facebook.com front slash deadline DC with Brad Bannon front slash videos. You can also watch the show uh, on YouTube. Uh, we're discussing uh, chaos in Congress today. Uh, we our guest again is Mika Solner, who from the Washington Times, uh, who covered the floor action in the House uh, last week. Uh, let me uh, ask you this, Mika. Uh, now that we know who the players are, is there anything that Joe Biden uh, and uh, the Republic House Republicans are going to be able to agree on uh, in terms of passing legislation? Are we just headed towards two solid years of gridlock and confrontation? Uh, that's the key question is I think we're going to see things pass in the House by Republicans and then, you know, stall in Senate in terms of compromises made. I think we might see some more small scale stuff. I know that, you know, Democrats have talked about, you know, veterans issues and, you know, same with Republicans. Like, you know, those are easy things to kind of get along and get on the same page about. Um, in McCarthy's speech, we did see Democrats uh, stand up at, at times during his speech when he was talking about law enforcement. So maybe, you know, if there's police funding bills and things like that, you know, those, those, you know, minus maybe the, uh, the left-wing members of the Democratic Party were, seemed very supportive about. Um, so, you know, I think that there's certain things that can get bipartisan support, um, and, uh, you know, it might not be huge legislation that's passed, but, I mean, we did see last Congress that Republicans were willing to join Democrats, so I definitely think we'll see at least, you know, some moderate Democrats uh, break with the, with the very narrow GOP majority. Okay, uh, we talked about Kevin McCarthy. Uh, did we learn anything interesting or significant about the new Democratic uh, leader, uh, Hakeem Jeffries, and how he handled himself last week? Yeah, well, I think it's it's fair to say that Hakeem Jeffries definitely had a much easier week. Um, uh, you know, he had the party unified behind him, uh, every single vote with the 212 votes behind him. Um, although, you know, minority lead, leader is obviously going to be a, a bigger, a less uh, stakes than House Speaker. So um, we'll see how that shakes out in two years. But, um, you know, his speech was very compelling. And I think it got uh, a lot of uh, attention, especially when he was kind of laying alphabetically what the democratic values are. So it was very, uh, you know, in the style of, you know, I think I, I saw some people online comment that it was it was presidential. So I think we're going to see a, a big, uh, bright future for Je Jeffries. Let me uh, ask you this. Um, you know, I mean, let's face it, I'm a Democrat and I have a certain bias looking at these things. Uh, do House Republicans worry they're uh, advancing Joe Biden's reelection campaign in 2024? You know, I was, uh, you know, watching it uh, on television last week and the chaos, the ugliness, it seems to me that that plays right into exactly how Joe Biden is going to run for president uh, for reelection, which is essentially, you know, I'm the voice of common reason. And those crazy people um, are trying to drive the nation uh, to hell in a handbasket. And it just seemed to me watching them and doing everything I, they can uh, to advance Joe Biden's reelection. Did, they, did any of them worry about that? 
I don't think that they're worried about that because uh, there's already been, um, you know, questions about, I mean, I think they're going to point to Biden's uh, age and things like that. Now, the problem, I think, is more on in terms of how well Trump is going to do. Um, I mean, we did see McCarthy credit Trump and, uh, um, you know, bring him kind of back into the fold. But, you know, with the, the midterm outcomes, his influence is clearly diminished a bit. Um, so it, I think it depends on who the nominee is. And I think that's going to depend on, um, you know, and then that'll impact uh, Joe Biden's chances here. But um, I think it depends. I mean, Biden so far has, you know, a good record in terms of passing, getting legislation passed, you know, uh, pushing Democrats to do so in in the House and Senate. So um, we're going to have to see. But in terms of he's still tied to a lot of national issues like inflation and crime and Republicans will continue to hammer that into him. So um, I think it's going to definitely depend on who the GOP nominee is going to be. You know, I reminded uh, last week or the week before, somebody asked the Senate uh, Minority Leader Mitch McConnell why uh, the GOP did not do as well as expected. Uh, And I forget his exact quote, but it had something to do with uh, when uh, 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 voters looked at our candidates, all that they could see is chaos. And all I could see last week on the House floor was chaos. And, uh, you know, Joe Biden has his liabilities, but it does seem to me that GOP, House GOT is just setting, uh, is just uh, basically uh, paving a way uh, to making it easy to Joe Biden to get reelected. But um, what do I know? Uh, I'm just a Democrat. Uh, let me ask you one last question. Uh, let's project to the future five years. Um, How do you think Nancy Pelosi will be remembered? Uh, uh, You know, she served in Congress for a long time. She was speaker for a long time. Uh, How do you, what what is her legacy going to be? Yeah, I mean, I think... uh Pelosi will always have an influential, you know, legacy in the party. She's a she's a barrier breaker, you know, first woman speaker. She's been there forever, um, and she's also, you know, very was a very strong politician. Um, and she, I think, she's well respected also on both sides, despite her, I guess, having waged war on the GOP for many years. But I talked to some Republicans, and you know, there's a lot of respect for her as a politician and as a political leader. Um, you know, so I think that she will be a, a power player for years to come. Uh, Mika, thank you very much for joining us again on Deadline DC with Brad Bannon. Uh, I hope you can uh, rejoin us again uh, to talk about what's happening in Congress. Uh, but we're going to take a break now. Uh, in uh, after the break, our guest will be Sarah Jones, who's the editor in chief uh, of Politicus USA. Uh, Sarah is going to talk with us about the second anniversary of the abortive capital coup and uh, give us her take on what happened in the House last week. So we will be back with more of Deadline DC with Brad Bannon right after these messages. Welcome to Deadline Brad Bannon. I'm Brad Bannon. Uh, we've got a lot to do in this half hour, so let's get started. Uh, we're going to start off with a uh, clip uh, from President Biden 
uh, on Friday honoring the Capitol Police who bravely defended the Capitol on January 6, 2021 uh, from the Trump terrorists who tried to undermine democracy and the rule of law during the abortive Capitol coup. And as we all watched, this is the irony of it all. All America watched it, watched it on television and saw it repeated and repeated. In the past months, we've heard you testify to the nation about what happened that day, what you were thinking of at the time it was happening, what you're thinking now, the threats, the violence, the savageness of what happened, the trauma, all real. And it's not exaggeration to say America owes you, owes you all. I really mean this, a debt, a debt of gratitude. One we can never fully repay unless we live up to what you did. That was President Biden, of course, uh, Friday when he honored uh, the brave Capitol Hill police officers who bravely defended the Capitol. Uh, while the president was honoring the Capitol Police, uh, the House Republicans are on the floor. Uh, showing uh, their lack of concern for democracy. Uh, House Republicans, by the way, did barely anything to honor uh, the, pe- the Capitol Hill police officers. They had a big rally in front of the Capitol building, and I think there were hu- at least 100 House Democrats there, and w- one, count them, one House Republican. Uh, Two years after January 6th, democracy is still in distress and the House is a total mess. On the second anniversary of the day that will live in infamy in American political history, the battle for the speaker's gavel demonstrates the nation is still shifting through the debris of American democracy's worst day. The abortive capital coup by Trump terrorists and the ugly battle for the speaker's battle in the House proves that majority rule is outdated in the Republican Party, and their new motto is my way or the highway is their latest shiny object. Trump and other Trump insurrectionists have exported their disdain to democracy to Brazil, where disgruntled dissidents tried to take over the capital there uh, and dispose of a popularly elected president. It's interesting to me that uh, the outgoing fascist uh, president, Bonsolero, uh, two of his key advisors are Stephen Bannon, not related, uh, and Stephen Miller, uh, two of the right-wing zanies who advised John, Donald Trump during his failed presidency. Uh, prominent obstacles to Kevin McCarthy's bid for the speaker's chair were Republicans like uh, Lauren Brobart uh, from Colorado, Matt Gates from Florida, and Andy Briggs from Arizona, all Republican representatives who championed the insurrectionist and Trump's bid to undermine the Constitution and rule of law. Uh, Gates even voted for Trump to be speaker. The insurgents failed to Uh, take down Joe Biden on January 6, 2021, but they have already weakened uh, Kevin McCarthy uh, even even, uh, since they weren't able to dispose uh, of him. 
Our guest in this half hour is Sarah Jones, the editor-in-chief of Politicus USA. Uh, uh, Sarah's Twitter handle is Sarah Politicus. Is it Sarah Politicus or Sarah Politicus? Politicus Sarah, but you know. Okay, Uh, that's (laughs) S-A-R-A-H-P-O-L-I-T-I-C-U-S. Okay, Sarah, Uh, I'm watching the uh, House in session Friday night. Uh, I probably was more depressed watching that than I have been uh, since the night Trump was elected uh, in November of 2016. It was utter chaos. Uh, The House Republicans, uh, there was no order in the House. Uh, You know, people were making deals on the House floor to get this or that. So uh, Kevin McCarthy essentially did everything he could uh, to round up the votes uh, he needed. Uh, even though it was he uh, basically abrogated his own power. How were you feeling as you were watching that mess on Friday night? I was just incredibly depressed. This is how far our great republic has sank. I, I share your feelings. And I think that for me, because, you know, it culminated uh, on on January 6th on the anniversary of that horrific terrorist attack on our country. And we saw, you know, Representative Mike Rogers almost lunging, trying to attack uh, Matt Gates on the House floor. I found that to be so embarrassing for this country, um, so humiliating and such a get for the fascist and the um, rising uh, autocrats around the globe who really are... Um, hoping to see this kind of uh, failure on the part of Western democracy, certainly in the United States, where we used to be such a, you know, example of democracy. And we have this contrast right now from President Biden, you know, um, in Kentucky with uh, Mitch McConnell doing this kind of bipartisan, here's the infrastructure, here's your government working for you. And then this, going to this total chaos, uh, nihilistic anarchist running the House. And there are some moderate Republicans in the House, but they are not in control. And that was very clear. Are there uh, moderate Republicans left in the House? I thought they were all rounded up into re-education yeah. camps yeah, uh, but, well, <laughs> during Ronald Reagan's presidency. Are there any left in the House? It didn't seem well, that way. See, I think that's a good point, actually, because when we use that term, I should qualify that to say that things have been politics in this country have been moving rightward, rightward, rightward. And so the definition of moderate, you know, even five years ago was very different in the Republican Party than it is now. Now it's um, maybe somebody who uh, didn't um, what. Okay, there's one of them, Brian Fitzpatrick here from Pennsylvania. He's the guy that showed up at the yep. ceremony to honor the um, the Capitol Police. So, you know, I've looked at his policies in depth uh, just as an example to see. And, you know, he's kind of an extremist on abortion, um, but he seems to be sane in other areas. Now, I never thought there would come a day where I would be willing to say of someone who doesn't think women should have health care rights, hey, you're a moderate. 
So again, the definition has really shifted. You know, now it's, you're not a fascist. I guess that's, you know, you're not pro-neo-Nazi kind of taking over the country. Um, and, and I'm just talking in the House. I think in the Senate, we have a better uh, mix up. You know, I, I'm pretty upset about this. You know, and instead of exporting American democracy across the world, we're apparently exporting fascism. Uh, mm-hmm. Over the weekend, uh, a group of uh, disgruntled supporters of the former right-wing president uh, tried to take over the Capitol. And I think it's more than interesting, as I said in my rant, uh, you know, the same guys who advised Donald Trump during his failed presidency, Steve Bannon and uh, uh, Stephen Miller, uh, are also advisors to the former right-wing Brazilian uh, president. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so instead of, you know, exporting democracy, now we're exporting fascism to other countries. And I, and, I go you ahead. Know, Steve Bannon, by, I did a big um, podcast. I just started doing a podcast uh, with, with my Substack. So I did a big podcast about this. I, I couldn't believe it. I was doing a deep dive into Steve Bannon. You know, he opened up an office, offices all over Europe and is doing this like far right populism. Um, you know, that's what they're calling. It. It's not, you know, you know what it is. It's fascism. But they're they're pushing this kind of like neo-Nazi agenda all over the globe. So to when you said that in, you know, to bring that point home about what's happening in Brazil um, and where was um, Bolsonaro? He was in Florida. Um, we don't know if he's still here or not. I was listening to the national security. Um, he did a gaggle today. I was listening to him. He's like, he, you know, we don't know if he's still here. And I think that's kind of the state department. He didn't really want to get into it, but it's like, so what is our government doing? Do we have the power to, cause you look at Brazil, they rounded up 1200 people. They arrested, you know, the day after this happened, but our country, we're still, trying to hunt down people who were uh, at the Capitol that day. And certainly nobody who organized it has been held accountable. So, yeah, I think it's really depressing. And I'm and frankly, I'm getting a little angry. Like I I found that in myself uh, watching this what's going on in Brazil, because I thought this country, I mean, why did they not arrest people at the Capitol that day? Why are these people still running wild? Why are they allowed to um, to organize things? And and the, back to Brazil for a second, because Elon Musk, he took over Twitter. He cut all the content moderation in Brazil, and he's been pushing to bring this far right person back. You okay, know, we're going to have to go to break now. This is a very short break uh, for our radio listeners, uh, for our viewers. Uh, we are staying uh, with our live video feed on Facebook and Twitter. Our guest is Sarah Jones, the editor-in-chief of Politicus USA. We'll be back right after this very quick message. Okay, welcome back to Deadline DC with Brad Bannon. Our guest in this half hour is Sarah Jones, editor in chief of Politicus USA. 
Uh, we've been talking about the legacy of the abortive capital coup back uh, on January 6, 2021. Uh, we've been talking about the uh, uh, fierce battle for the gavel. Uh, speaker's capital last week in the House. Uh, let me uh, turn to, another. you know, it, it seemed to me one of the worst, uh, maybe the reason I was so depressed watching it, is that all, if you watched the proceedings, especially Friday night, uh, the stars of the show uh, were some of the worst people I can possibly imagine. Uh, we talked about Matt Gates. Um, Lauren Brobert was featured. Um, it's like all the crazies came out of the woodwork and, you know, had their time to shine on national TV. And one of the most disturbing things that I saw, and I didn't notice it live, but I certainly, like a lot of people, seen the pictures, uh, George Santos, uh, a Republican member from Long Island in New York, uh, there's a picture of him being widely circulated on Facebook today uh, that shows him giving the uh, white supremacist hand signal. Um, and, you know, what is wrong with this country? You know, I, I, it's like all the crazies were running wild under Kevin McCarthy's new regime. Uh, you know, how does someone like George Santos get elected? It's not like he was elected in a red district. I think the district on the line, he representative, went for Joe Biden by eight points uh, in uh, 2020. And how in the, you know, how does someone like George Santos, a pathological liar, apparently, get elected to Congress? Well, and you know, why does he fit in so well with the rest of the Republicans in the House he, of Representatives? He is basically their brand ambassador, I would say. Um, you know, he got elected. Uh, as with all of history's great accidents slash tragedies, um, a lot of factors played into it. But one of it was that the New York legislature had its original redistricting map thrown out in court. Um, and I don't know what Democrats were doing. I mean, if, if that map held, then it would have protected Democrats and um, they probably would still have the House now. So uh, the Democrats had their entire strategy scrambled. I don't know if they just weren't paying attention to George Santos or they thought because he had run before that he would lose. But, you know, I, that's a problem. I mean, they've got to stop giving up races to taking anything for granted. Look at what happens every time they take their eye off something. Um, this is these these folks are like coming in from every crevice looking for a weakness. They are looking for any fracture in democracy they can get. And so that's what happened in New York. And now we have this man. We don't know. I mean, is he going to get arrested? Um, we don't know, you know, what we know that he's not what we do know that he's not there to represent the people and he's not there to govern. Yeah, one of the things that we should probably keep in mind is Kevin McCarthy's working with a very slim uh, majority in the House, and it could get even slimmer. Uh, there's one open Democratic seat out of uh, Richmond, Virginia, uh, that is going to get filled in a special election. Uh, there's also the possibility all sorts of people, uh, uh, government agencies are investigating George Santos, if that's what his real name is, um, by the way. Um, <laughs> and Scott uh, Perry here. Excuse me? Scott Perry here for his yeah. role. 
in the and, insurrection. Uh, you know, the Nassau County uh, Long Island District Attorney, who is a Republican, is investigating him. Uh, the Justice Department is investigating uh, his legal situation in Brazil. Uh, and so uh, that may be uh, at some point in the very near future. And if he has to resign or something, if he's indicted by somebody in New York um, or in Washington, uh, Kevin McCarthy may be having an even more slim uh, majority than he has now. Mm-hmm. Um, l- let me ask you this question. When I was watching uh, the mess uh, last week, especially Friday, my first thought is, um, okay, the House Republicans are pretty much doing everything they can uh, to get Joe Biden reelected uh, in 2024. I mean, let's face it, Joe Biden has political problems to deal with. Uh, but it seems to me what Biden is going to do is run as the sort of calm, you know, I'm the adult in the room. Uh, I'm going to try to keep this country together. Like while wackos like the Republican House Caucus are trying to undo the very fabric of democracy. And I mean, I just kept watching it. And if I was the Biden people watching it, I said, oh, yeah, there's our reelection campaign. Thank you. Um, And, you know, they probably are so engulfed in their own personal vendettas they don't understand they don't see the big picture um but it just seems to me what crazy what they're the house republicans are doing i mean mitch mcconnell said last week or the week before that that one of the reasons why republicans didn't do as well as they uh, hoped to in 2022 was a lot of people felt uh, voters felt that the republican party represented chaos and sure enough, um, after McConnell says that, they get a vivid demonstration of Republican chaos. And, you know, the Biden people must have loved this. They did the right thing and tried to stay out of it, uh, other than making some general comments about how embarrassing it was. Uh, do you think, you know, I mean, obviously Joe Biden has problems, but it seems to me the House Republicans are just doing everything they can to make it easier on him as he runs for election in 2024. I couldn't agree more. I mean, I think that the American people, after four years of Donald Trump, uh, they were exhausted and, you know, they saw what was going on. They they came out and voted in droves in 2022. I mean, we had a record turnout because people were tired. We saw Republicans crossing over to vote for Democrats in races where there were election deniers and people who would have power over that. And so I think this whole thing, what they're trying to do, everything they're trying to do in the House is about taking power away from uh, Joe Biden and undoing the things that Democrats did. They don't have an agenda other than helping rich people with um, by defunding the IRS. Um, they don't have an agenda. So I think that contrast is becoming more and more clear. And the electorate sees it. They saw it in 2022. Now, I mean, I was thinking that while I was watching this complete uh, tragic uh, showdown you know, days and days, the biggest showdown since the Civil War for the speakership. And I was thinking, wow, this is all going to be in an ad reel for, you know, Joe Biden and and House Democrats. 
because nobody wants this. I mean, this far, so, you know, people don't want this stuff. The far right might want this, and that's who these people are answering to. Uh, Those folks have been elevated through the way they funnel all of that um, in right-wing media. They funnel those, they they funnel literal neo-Nazis, and they funnel that stuff upward until it comes into the mainstream. But people are tired of it. I don't care how much they try to shove this down people's throats. People didn't like it. Yeah, no, they yeah. didn't. And there's a lot of evidence. Uh, if you look at the exit polls uh, and you look at the voters who said they mildly appro- disapproved of Joe Biden's performance uh, as president, uh, those people should have been Republican voters, but they weren't. Uh, right. Democrats got a 50-50 split out of the voters who mildly disapproved of Joe Biden's presidency. And I think they have this fantasy that Joe Biden is so beat up, you know, they can do and say anything they want uh, and they can still beat Joe Biden. But I, you know, I think last week was a vivid example and I think they're just wrong. I don't think it's going to work for them. And the biggest thing, I said this before they even picked the Democratic team, in uh for 2020 i said that the the reason that joe biden is a good pick is because his brand is established he's been working for decades the press knows him the people know him so no matter what you throw at him when you make up these lies like the republicans usually do and it usually sticks to the democrat well it's not going to stick to somebody that everyone knows and that's the problem they keep running like they're running against obama it's not going to happen and uh, Joe Biden has proved himself to be the adult in the room, uh, which contrasts so much with what the Republican kids uh, on the, in the House demonstrated last week. That's all the time we have for Deadline DC. I want to thank our guest, uh, Sarah Jones, editor-in-chief of Politicus USA. I also want to thank thank, uh, Mika Solner, uh, congressional reporter for The Washington Times, uh, and our Crackerjack executive producer, Mark Romaldi, uh, who keeps the trains running on time and keeps the show running online. Uh, We'll be back. Stay tuned for us Mondays uh, for more of Deadline DC with Brad Bannon. Uh, We'll talk to you soon.